I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Kia ora, Tefana, and welcome back to your bonafide favorite <laughs> pop culture podcast. <laughs> Um, every time. Every week we get on this mic, these mics, and we get a little bit shy and we just don't know how to intro. We don't have a tagline. I mean, oh, we're having the same fucking conversation every week. God, Liv, what are we talking about today? Let's get straight into Oh that. my God. Okay, let's. But first, Lucy, your butterfly, your, your butterfly clips look really, really cute. Thank you. Lucy has been having major fairy energy recently. Big fairy energy. And I'm vibing it so much. But we will get into what we're actually talking about, which isn't Lucy's fairy energy, but it is Dan Schneider and the whole like Nickelodeon drama that. Actually happened in 2018, but mm. it's still relevant today, especially because Jeanette McCurdy has just published a book called I'm Glad My Mum Died. And in it, she talks about the creator, who is Dan Schneider, and kind of all of the fucked up shit that was going on in the Nickelodeon scene. So we thought it would be cool and interesting to dive into. Mm. Huge for me as a Nickelodeon kid that always knew or mm. always knew of the allegations always knew of the stories i mean we should say right now none of this is really confirmed not many on the record things no. i mean one new york times article that Liv will probably refer to but first of all Liv, before we dive into that what describes or oh. described your week oh, oh no God. oh look <laughs> We get on this mic and we hold ourselves too accountable, oh, am I right? Honestly, it's like, why am I sharing this information with all of these people? But we do love you. It's because so. we love you. I we know. Must. So be kind. Um, no, so Lucy and I and Ruby, we went to a awards night, an awards night, I should say, called The Voyages, which is sort of like the big media awards night in New Zealand. We were stoked to be invited. Like, it's kind of pretty fucking cool to be there. We were the youngest people there by far. <laughs> and being the youngest people, we probably had too much to drink. Well, I... Yeah, being the youngest people, we basically played into our own stereotype. Look, we did. I didn't feel like I was going overboard. It was one of those situations where you're there for quite a long time. Yes. It was a sit-down meal. You went to your table and, like, they just kept kind of refilling your glass. So it was just too easy to keep drinking. And truly, Liv and I were, like... In that bread basket, oh. trying to soak it up. Oh, I ate everything. I that adored was possible to eat the it bread, was... the butter, like <laughs> the butter, the butter. And so we were thinking, and Liv and I also would have chickens basically every hour. We'd go yeah. to the bathroom. How are you? We're fine. We're Gucci. And we weren't like finishing our drinks no. like purposefully or anything like that. We were trying to we're be classy, classy humans. <laughs> yeah, but apparently, anyway. It didn't go to plan at all for me, especially because (laughs) (laughs) basically I think I was fine at the awards night. Mm. And then Ruby and I went and got like Turkish 
Turkish um, kebabs, rice, fries, whatever. Which is going to make its way which back is, into the story. Yeah, back into the story, unfortunately. So we went, got food. In the Uber on the way home, I just remember trying to say something to Ruby in my mouth, just like not articulating anything and speaking actual gibberish. And then I got home, got into bed, and then just like... <laughs> Cute so much. Like, didn't even have time to run to the bathroom. No, like, no. I, it was awful. No. Like, I was a fucking shell of a human being. No. Like, I am humiliated. It no. was just like, well, I haven't done this. Yeah. I'm. I like to think I'm not a huge binge drinker. Yeah. Um, but every time we get on this fucking podcast mic, I'm like, oh yeah, well we did this Same. and we went out. I've and got blah, blah, extremely blah. bad anxiety for X, Y, Z. Yeah. And I was like, I feel like I haven't been drunk like that for a really long time. I haven't vomited since I was probably about 18. So I just felt like, like pure shite. Liv had just, well, the thing is, the clutch had been lightly pulled out for all yeah. of us at the awards show. Yeah. To be fair, I think we all left at an incredible time because when I got home, I like was making food, I cut my thumb open, like oh I fell asleep God. with my glasses on and my flashlight on my torch, like I don't know what I was looking at, <laughs> like I woke up. And Trying to find your glasses probably, yeah, but they were on your face. On my fucking face, so I was like, maybe we all held it together, we were I so focused we on holding it together in front of these people we respect, also youngest people like, in the These room. are like big media people, like oh. people from the news, like people fucking from the news. people you see on TV and we're just walking around like, oh. I think I told some people that worked quite high up in some quite high TV places, no young no, no young people watch TV anymore. And they just had to stand there and be like, okay, yeah. yeah like no. agreeing with you agreeing. that no one watches TV anymore, even though that is their whole their entire whole job. job. Sorry I've just thrown your whole existence into a towel. But yeah. like, literally, no, this is really, really funny. But yeah, I just felt, and then the next day, woke up just oh my fucking god, like, get your life together, this is embarrassing, and then just the whole room smell, oh, honestly, oh, it's more, I don't want to go into it. But. Truly, it's not embarrassing, we all do it, but it is like, you actually have to clean it up, that's yeah. admin. You just feel like a child. Yeah, I mean, me and Liv have had, both of us, not big vomiters, sorry if you don't like mm. this type of chat, we should have probably put some sort of warning in front of this, <laughs> but um, we did have a night when we were probably about 18 or 17, we <laughs> Oh no! Puked on Liv's laptop, puked on our laptops, and Liv's bed all over the carpet, all over our laptops. It was like the worst night in our existence. Still, it was horrific, and that was the last time that happened when we were like seventeen, eighteen. We never vomit from alcohol, but like. Sorry, it was just the laptops. Like, why do we always situation? I remember I was messaging someone after. I was like, I just vomited on my laptop. I think I have these screenshots. Honestly, so, like, we are relatable. If this is relatable to you, um, I'm sorry. And and we are seen and heard. I'm going to try real hard to give my liver a break, I think. Because it's it's like, I always say this, and then I'm like, but I must schedule in a time with no events because no. I couldn't possibly. But no, Lucy, you actually can be oh, quite you fun. you can. You and I used to go to shit sober all the fucking time. I don't know what it is at the moment. It's probably like winter. Winter work vibes. Like you just need something to take the edge off. But anyway, <laughs> not recommended. This no, is our lives. No, 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 no. And no. do not follow them. Uh, but follow shit you should care about. Yeah. <laughs> just, that's the good side of us. That's the side of us that we want people to see. This, this, I don't know why we're putting this out into the world. 
Anyway, oh. Lucy, what describes your week? I have a much more wholesome what describes um, my week, mm. and it describes Liv's week too, and it describes our upcoming week and hopefully our lives. Dungeons and Dragons, Liv. Yes. Now, we got on this mic probably about a month ago, and we said... We're really interested in starting to play D&D. We told everyone that our wonderful podcast producer slash now Dungeon Master, T.I. Have Butler, have to give the first Always. and the last name, um, he's been helping us get prepared, get ready, get sussed, um, everything we need to know. We had a session zero where we discussed... All the ins and outs of, you know, our first game. Had a sort of introduction into the world he had created, which is really exciting. It's so exciting. And, and like, there's a little handbook and the dice are all gorgeous. And we just, I feel like we just really leaned in last week. Now, question, and Liv, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this, so mm-hmm. maybe Tiahe can off mic. Like, is it normal or kosher to talk about your characters? Or is it something that you keep, like, to yourself? T.I.H.S., our dungeon master, said you can talk about your characters. Yeah, I'm like, Lucy, why are you asking me? I've never played No, I know. I'm like, bro, we like talking about our characters. But basically you pick like a race and then you pick a class and you form these characters that can be like you or they can be not like you. And I feel like we've just really lived, dived, dove, divin, divin into the world. We have divin into the world. (laughs) Um, And this world is a very exciting world to to dove into. Um, (laughs) No, I think... It's just cool because, like, you can be whoever you want to be. Yeah. But even though me and you have chosen exactly who we think we are. And Rubes has chosen <laughs> like, pretty much, like, the good version is. of ourselves. Yeah, we've chosen either the good version or, like, I feel like mine draws on the... Like, the hyperbolized version. Yeah, like, does a deal to get further in life, has to do something to make up for it, you know. And so we've all Lucy's these... name is, of course, Lucifer. <laughs> and I have done a deal with the devil. So, <laughs> very close think to real life. Robert Johnson from last week. Oh, yeah. Go listen to that episode. So true. Whereas Liv is this elf. (laughs) She's an elf wizard. Yeah, like (laughs) just gorgeous. I'm like... (laughs) And Ruby is this like rogue little bandit thing, which she is the physically combative one. (laughs) She's the wrestler. She does love a wrestler. She's (laughs) this tiny little gnome. Beats everyone at an arm wrestle honestly oh so we've yeah we've created our characters we've given them some backstory we've we've been basically talking about them every lunch break yeah um we can't stop and so we have our first session coming up on wednesday the night you're listening to this and uh yeah well obviously we'll check in next week oh we absolutely will i'm sure we'll have a lot of tales from the Oh, yes. From the table? Yeah, Tales from the Table. Yeah. Like, that's almost a spin-off podcast. It really is, isn't it? Tales from the Table. Spin-off of shit you care about, not the spin-off. You can't have that idea. <laughs> Copyrighted. Tales from the from Table. The we'll get our dungeon master in to run the pod. Um, so, yeah, we'll keep you filled in. Also, making some TikToks about it. So, if you're that way inclined and, you know, you're on TikTok... We've just got everything on our feed at the moment. Also, a day in the life of us recording this right now. So. Yeah, so you get a literal insight into how our lives run. Truly. Lucy's been trying to keep up with the videoing. So hard to remember. Oh, God, I couldn't. No, it's very hard. Anyway, so Dungeons & Dragons chat was sort of half of my naughty or nice. It's, like, real nice. I don't know. I wanted. I just wanted to do a big oh, yarn. Love that. And then my other short naughty or nice, but something incredibly nice that we're incredibly obsessed with over here at Siska, is Dan Levy is joining the cast of Sex Education. Now, for anyone that loves Shit's Creek, um, shit you should care about's Creek. <laughs> 
Under Cisco Media Limited. Yeah. We did produce that <laughs> shot. <laughs> we might have been, what, how old? Ten, but... <laughs> so, Child protégés. Seriously, it's my favourite, one of my favourite shows. It's like, I listen to it every night to fall asleep. Very comforting, very just... <laughs> Such a strange way to, like, consume that show. I listen to this TV show every night before I fall asleep. I, I'm not sure you're quite getting the idea of a television show, but... Well, love, you know no young people watch TV no, <laughs> We listen to it instead. Um, why waste money on the video? So true. So Dan Levy is one of the one of the creators or the creator and one of the brilliant actors in Schitt's Creek, and he is now coming into one of our favourite TV shows, Live of All Time, oh. Sex Education. We have a huge podcast about sex education. Honestly, I think it is up there top five for me. Oh, it's just elite in every level. It really is. And just yet. I know. So season four, Dan Levy is coming in as Mr. Malloy, a famous author who's also going to be Maeve's course tutor at the new Ivy oh League college goodness. she's attending. You know where we left it? She was, spoiler alert, give you a bit of a break, heading to the States. Um, there hasn't actually live, even been an official release date for Sex Education season four. I know they're filming it right now. There's been some word on the street that it might be early 2023. I'm so glad Maeve is still in it. Because mm. I sort of thought, oh, are She's they writing out her character? Like, is she on to kind true. of bigger and better things in her career? Because, I mean, not that you could get bigger yeah, or better than sex say. education. But, you know, like, oh, she's moving away. But yeah. I'm so glad that they are following her storyline. Following her story. And bringing in Dan Levy to carry it through. Sorry. Iconic behavior. Absolutely. Actually, to be honest, I personally don't really know who Dan Levy is. But I'm going to watch Shit's Creek at some you stage. You have to. Also... Dan Levy follows us on Instagram. Mm. Also have once sent him a drunk DM um, about how much I loved him and he did. And he, he just seen it. He did see oh, it. He, see, he yeah, seen it. He seen it. Which so. is worse, I think. No, it's kind of better when it comes to a celebrity. They He opened the DM yeah, from true. Shit You Should Care About. True. Cool. Probably because he thought it was um, a spinoff of Shit's Creek. <laughs> Shit's Creek You Should Care About, duh. Okay. Anyway, that's a really nice story except for him seeing our... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. DM. So two really nice stories yeah. today. Yeah. Oh, we're in, we're, in a, we're in a nice mood. We're trying to um, build ourselves back up from the weekend. Yeah, except for this whole second half of this podcast is about something that's actually oh. not quite so nice. No. So, Liv, shall we dive into the world of Nickelodeon and the creator? Yes. The creator, Dan Schneider. Lucy, you were a huge Nickelodeon fan as a kid. Huge Nickhead. And a huge Nickhead. <laughs> so... <laughs> I was so Kiwi, dickhead. Dickhead. <laughs> huge nickhead over here. <laughs> Lucy was a huge nickhead. I was much more of a Disney girl myself. Yeah. If you had to choose. Nickelodeon. Really? Every day of the week. I loved Hannah Montana and Wizards of Waverly Place. Mm-hmm. More so, I loved SpongeBob. You loved I... Camp Rock. Oh, that was Disney. I think that was Disney. Yeah, definitely was Disney. Yeah. Um, but I love SpongeBob and like Feel Your Parents. Oh, and... Feel Your Parents was great. I did love SpongeBob. I, I loved think... Zoe 101. Oh, see, I never really watched Dan Schneider's shows, as I like, I did. I saw the, you know, odd episode here mm. or there, but Fairly Odd Parents and 
SpongeBob, I would change Channel 4. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Also, all that was like my, I feel like, introduction to Nickelodeon and comedy. And it was like a kid's version of SNL. Right. And actually dope. And so, that was one of his first shows, yeah, I think. Yeah. Like in the 90s. So huge Nickhead over here yeah. and Liv excited to learn a little bit. Excited to ruin my childhood with you, basically. <laughs> basically. Oh, why does this keep happening? Everything nice in the world just ends up Ruined. being nowhere near as nice as you think it is. <laughs> so, first of all, who is Dan Schneider, for the people who don't know? So, as we just said, he really was involved in a lot of the big Nickelodeon shows that you probably watched as a kid. Basically, the writer and the showrunner of shows like Drake and Josh... Which I did watch, actually, mm, quite I a lot. Um, all that, as Lucy just said, Victorious, iCarly, Zoe 101, and a few other kind of smaller ones. But those are his kind of huge shows, like massive, massive shows. He ran a production company called Schneider's Bakery, which was kind of in charge of the production mm. of these shows. Um, and then in 2018, so he worked at Nickelodeon for, I think, around 30-ish years, mm-hmm. which is fucking huge. Um, and then in 2018, he actually left Nickelodeon, and he still had $7 million owed to him on his contract. So basically what that means is that his contract hadn't come to an end. He was, whether he was asked to leave, whether he left himself, and it kind of turns out he was pretty much asked to leave, like... It wasn't because it came to the end of his contract. Yeah. Like Nickelodeon are willing to give up that seven mil basically to possibly have rid of you. Yeah, absolutely. So the reason we're talking about Dan Schneider right now is that there's been a lot of allegations, a lot of internet discourse around his behavior on set and off set. So Jeanette McCurdy, who played Sam in iCarly, she was kind of like the best friend, the Lily to the Hannah Montana, right? She has come out with a book, as I said before in the intro, called I'm Glad My Mum Died, which kind of talks about the state of child acting in Hollywood, the implications that it has had on her life and the kind of long-term trauma that it has brought to her, which is really sad. And she talks about Dan Schneider, who she calls the creator in this book, quite a lot. So we're going to refer to that. So when he did leave Nickelodeon in 2018, Viacom CBS, who was kind of the parent company of Nickelodeon, they'd heard a lot of rumors, a lot of allegations around how he was behaving, and they decided to investigate him. And they found that he was super difficult to work with, and a lot of his employees viewed him as verbally abusive. Um, This we'll get into a little later. And also there's been allegations around him having kind of a foot fetish, being caught up in the Me Too movement. So those are the kind of like two main avenues as to why he was asked to leave Nickelodeon. And I think there was because this was... Right, I mean, the height of the Me Too movement was in 2017. This Mm -hmm. was like there was pressure. There would have definitely been pressure to investigate anyone that was in quite a big, like, job like this and had some allegations floating around. Also, just when all of his things were resurfacing and weren't ageing very well. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. A lot of things that weren't ageing well 
at all. So let's kind of dive into, first of all, Dan Schneider and workplace harassment. So we're not talking about sexual harassment at this one time, more just like his kind of abusive behavior on set or alleged abusive behavior on set. So the New York Times published a really, really fucking good article. I will link this in the Culture Vulture newsletter, which you should all sign up to. And it kind of goes into, it's quite a balanced article, actually. Like, a lot of people that they interviewed did have some good things to say about Dan Schneider, but they also had some not-so-good things to say about him. It kind of seems like he was one of these people with two sides. Like, when he was loving you, he was great and amazing and made you feel incredible. And then when he wasn't, he was just, like, awful and abusive Mm -hmm. and all of those awful things. So there were quite a few quotes from anonymous work colleagues about his abrasive controlling behavior. So he was apparently prone to tantrums, angry emails, um, and the staff felt as though they always had to walk on eggshells around him. He was someone with a huge amount of power in this Mm. industry. And so here is a quote from a guy called Arthur Gradstein, who was one of the people one of the only people in the article that actually had his name published. So he worked as a writer and producer with Schneider across four different shows. And he said, I will always be grateful to Dan for taking a chance on me as a rash young writer, fresh out of college, and for all I learned over those six years. He said, much of my experience with Dan was a blast. He could be generous and validating, and it was exciting to be around his talent and passion for creating entertainment. But then he goes on to say that he was also unreasonably demanding, controlling, belittling, and vindictive, um, with a willful disregard for boundaries or workplace appropriateness. So it sounds like even there, the power dynamic is speaking volumes because he's felt like, in his quote, he still owes, like, yes, without you, I know that I couldn't have gotten to the industry, which yeah. is an issue in itself. And For then sure. to go on and say all those things. Also, just while we're talking about this piece mm-hmm. and how some of the sources are anonymous sources. Yes. That sort of makes sense and sort of scans because Jeanette McCurdy said when she left... Um, Nickelodeon. She was offered a $300,000 sort of leaving gift, which Mm. she turned down because it was basically hush money so that she wouldn't talk about anything that happened at the network and not speak publicly, I think, about Dan Schneider or any of that. And so the fact that people going on the record, maybe they have to be anonymous to be able to say something because they've taken some of this hush money or they're just terrified of this Network. Well, this is the thing, so fucking true. Also really scared of being, like, blacklisted, yeah. you know, no longer getting any work, which you always think in 2022 that hopefully we're past, but Hollywood just seems to be a whole nother realm, very well, fucking backwards. And I feel like they just think there's that many actors and actresses out there. Yeah. We will grab one that's not going to cause a media shitstorm or whatever, yeah. or ruin, you know? like Yeah, but- absolutely, because almost in their heads it's like, why would we when we've got hundreds yeah. of thousands of people wanting to take your place? So a former Nickelodeon executive who also worked really closely with Dan Schneider said, I know some people, they'll say he's tough. To me, it was never tough for tough's sake. He had a vision that he wants to make happen. She said, in my experience, it was never ego. It was always what served the show. Which is so weird for people to come out and say that. And, like, what is tough for tough's sake? Do you have to be tough for any sake or are there other ways of doing things? This is the thing. Is this quite, like, a conservative 
or not even conservative, but like kind of backwards view, right? Where back in the day it was like, you've got to really lay down the law on these huge productions because otherwise people won't do the best job. Like I'm just trying to get the most out of you, but really it's kind of verging on abuse. It really leans into the like, oh, these young people are just snowflakes now because they can't handle tough love. And it's like, no, we've actually found a better way to love. It's actually not tough love, it's manipulation and control. And then what Dan Schneider sort of said about these quotes especially about the first one that I read out saying that he was, you know, verbally abusive, basically. He said that if people perceived him as difficult, it was because he had high standards. He said, I'm very willing to defend creative things that I believe in. So that kind of just goes with what we were talking about. It's like, you don't need to be like that to defend the creative Mm. things that you love. I think he goes on to say in that article as well that, you know, I was a hothead, like I was young, I was passionate, like now I've kind of chilled out and I talk to people a lot better. It's like, but how were you doing that for 30 years Mm. and having your staff walk on eggshells around you? It's really interesting because in Jeanette McCurdy's book, there's a couple of paragraphs that really show these two sides of him and I'm going to read them out because I think they're really, really good. So again, the creator is... Dan Schneider. So she says, I feel like the creator has two distinct sides. One is generous and over-the-top complimentary. He can make anyone feel like the most important person in the world. I've seen him do this when he made the entire crew give our production designer a five-minute standing ovation for the jail set he built in two days. Or when he gave a speech thanking our stunt coordinator. The coordinator cried with gratitude. The creator knows how to make someone feel important. The other side is mean-spirited, controlling, and terrifying. The creator can tear you down and humiliate you. I've seen him do this when he fired a six-year-old on the spot for messing up a few lines on rehearsal day. And when a boom operator accidentally dropped the boom into the shot and the creator stomped over to him and screamed in his face that he was responsible for ruining a magical take and that he hoped he would regret it for the rest of his life. I've seen the creator make grown men and women cry with his insults and degradation. He'll call people idiots, buffoons, stupid, dumb, sloppy, careless, retarded, and spineless. The creator knows how to make someone feel worthless. So I think we get a pretty good picture from that, right? Thank God she didn't take that hush money and she's writing about this now. I know. That's all I'll say. But also, obviously it's not all I'll say Mm. because I'm going on to say something else. It's um, never all we'll say. It's like there's always it, more. There's always more. There's always another podcast next week. Yeah. <laughs> I just think, you know that feeling when someone makes you feel so good mm-hmm. and so seen and like you're the best thing in the world and then suddenly like their attention goes somewhere else or goes on. So like even that in itself is quite a manipulative way of being, being all in, all in, all in, and then obviously yeah. taking it away and then making you feel like shit so you're constantly working harder to try yes. and get this person's attention. Absolutely, or- and you just never feel enough. And I yeah. think in her book her mum was also very much yes. a similar personality and she talks about how when Dan Schneider and her mum were in the same room together she would get so overwhelmed because she was trying so hard to – be the perfect person for both of them. Yeah, and it's like, that is such manipulative behavior. When he's working with minors who are so, all they want to do is please him, and he knows that. And he's taking advantage because he's like, well, you need to do exactly what I say. Like, I'm the reason you're in this room. Mm -hmm. Like, if it weren't for me, you'd be, you know. At school or like. Yeah, or like working a shit job or whatever. And he genuinely probably believed that, but that doesn't make it 
in any way okay. Yeah. I think I saw Jeanette McCurdy in an interview saying that when you're a child star like that, mm. It's like you're living in an adult's world, but you have no way of knowing that. Like, yeah, because your brain's literally not developed enough yeah. to comprehend the world that you're yeah. living in. So, like, you are within this adult workforce, adult hours, having to, like, do things that no other kids have to do, and you kind of think it's normal. Yeah. So you just do it. And then I guess, like, that's what – I mean, you look at people like Drew Barrymore, and actually we will do a whole podcast yeah. on child stars mm-hmm. and how now they're having to go and relive or rediscover their childhood because they didn't realise they were living in an adult's world. Because you won't realise till you're probably in your, like, 20s yeah. or 30s. I would love to see live like, Miranda Cosgrove, Ariana Grande, mm-hmm. Jeanette McCurdy – all sit down and actually talk. Have a discussion. A very open discussion about what actually went on. I know that the guy that played Gibby has mm-hmm. sort of spoken about Dan Schneider before right. on a podcast, but we need some of those big stars. Totally. It is scary how little people have come out on record because it means that, like, yeah, they've either taken harsh money or they're still fucking scared of the power that yes. maybe it's not even just Dan Schneider. It's like a whole lot of the people that support Dan Schneider or other executives. Mm. Like, there's been a whole lot of Nickelodeon executives that have come out for, like, sexual abuse Mm. and things like that, which is really, really awful. And, yeah, these people are so vulnerable. Yeah. But kind of leading on from that, we're going to enter the conversation of Dan Schneider and the Me Too movement and especially his foot fetish. Or his alleged foot fetish. His alleged foot fetish, which is fucking everywhere in the media and like first of all be into whatever you're into Mm -hmm. no kink shaming here what we will be talking about though is a grown-ass man potentially like asking kids to audition and like have a bunch of kids take their shoes off so we can look at your feet yeah yes very very odd a lot of his tweets are very very odd Mm. a lot of the scenes in iCarly when you look at it from that perspective like I mean you never want to look at it from that perspective because you want to give people the benefit of the doubt like just because there are kids in bare feet on a scene like you don't want to be like automatically foot fetish but when you kind of collate the data it does feel very strange so basically Viacom CBS, who did the internal investigation, found no sexual misconduct, like no tangible, solid, Mm -hmm. no one was willing to come forward, whether it was happening or not. Mm -hmm. But some people did kind of think that Dan Schneider's relationships with the minors on his TV show was a bit weird. Like, they described Dan as a big kid. He got... he got the humour of children so well. I mean, that's obviously why he's so successful mm. and created such um, big shows that so many kids loved was because he could be on that level. Mm. And I think he kind of saw himself as friends with these young stars that were working for him, but really there was a huge power dynamic at play. And so he, so some people on set found his chumminess with them really kind of weird and awkward. He was apparently often texting the the teens, I guess they were, after hours, maybe about work, but also just about like random mm. conversations, mm-hmm. which is weird. Um, when asked about this in the New York Times interview, he said, I never interacted with actors in any way, texting or otherwise that should make anyone feel uncomfortable. 
which is a very subjective quote. Like, well, what do you clarify as uncomfortable? Versus a 13-year-old. Yeah, for sure. He apparently would also ask people on sets for massages, which would make the crew members also pretty fucking uncomfortable. Jeanette McCurdy actually writes about this. Basically, they're talking about how he wants to create her own TV show and he's making her feel real special and be like, you know, anyone would kill for this opportunity. And then he asked if she's okay and then she says yes. And then he says, good, because you should be okay. He says gently, you're about to start in your very own TV show for crying out loud. You know how many kids would kill for that opportunity, every last one of them. She says, I nod. He reaches out and places his hand on my knee. I get goosebumps. You're cold, he says, concerned. I don't think that's why I got goosebumps, but I agree. It's always best to agree with the creator. Here, take my jacket. He takes off his coat and drapes it around me. He pats my shoulders, and then the pat turns into a massage. Oof, you're so tense. Anyway, what was I saying? He asks while he keeps massaging me. My shoulders do have a lot of knots in them, but I don't want the creator to be the one rubbing them out. I want to say something to tell him to stop, but I'm scared of offending him. And then basically goes on to say that he just keeps massaging her and she's just feeling really fucking weird about it. That is uncomfortable to listen to. So uncomfortable. There's a lot of those sorts of scenes where like she has the dialogue of him fully manipulating Mm. her and being like, you should be feeling so good and her just wanting him to be happy because that's the position that he, you know, allegedly put these people in. And then so when it comes to the foot fetish, People have compiled a lot of still shots from different shows of his, which there's a lot of foot humour. Like, yeah, a lot. I know. And a lot of, like, oh, there's that tweet from Sam and Cat that's like, reach out with your foot pics or yes. send these pics with your feet. It was like a marketing campaign where they would get the audience members to show, you know, photos of their feet. There's a lot of tweets that he made that have since been deleted um, one is in response to someone called Hungry Girl. Do you want to go for a drive? Do you want to go into our room and watch Too Cute? We have four on DVR. I'll rub your feet. It was something that he said. Okay. He also tweeted, toes, similar to fingers, but not nearly as good. Who agrees? He said, little Ariana Grande from Victoria smiles at one of her co-star's feet, but whose foot is it? And then there's like, um, a tweet of him saying something like no nut November isn't going well and then there's like pictures like a reference to a foot thing underneath. Oh my god. So okay. Well before you read before you said that mm. last one, I was gonna say one of these on their own, like ten years ago on Twitter yeah. when you're just having a random shower thought and you accidentally put your words out into the universe, fine. All of these added together. Accumulated. And then videos of, like, what has actually made it to screens oh. on Nickelodeon. Like, it's bizarre. Ha- have you seen that video of Ariana Grande trying to put her toe yes. in her mouth? Yes. And, like, all of – there's, like, overtly sexual yes. content oh. of Ariana Grande. Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah. Like, that's really, really weird. Um, When he was asked about this, because he was asked directly about this by the New York Times, he responded saying the comedy was totally innocent. Um, And then he went on to say that the first that the foot fetish claims were ridiculous and chalked it up to kids finding feet funny or goofy 
insisting he never attempted to sexualize his stars. So he sounds like he is having almost the opposite problem of these kids growing up too fast, is that he has never been able to leave his childhood brain or has something happened in his childhood where he's like constantly just wants to stay there. Yeah, I think so. He started off as a child actor as Mm -hmm. well. So I can't wait for that episode um, that we're going to do about child actors and actresses because like the more you think about it, Why are kids working like that? Like, it's so fucked. And there was an anonymous actress on a podcast. I'm not... This was kind of, like, right in the depths of my research. Mm -hmm. I couldn't quite find what podcast it was or, or who she was. So take this maybe with a grain of salt. But she was talking about auditioning. I think, Lucy, you've kind of mentioned this. Auditioning, um... In LA, she got shoulder tapped in a mall. What's with these kids getting found in malls? So weird. Yeah, so she said, We flew out to LA for this audition, and when we got there, it was a bunch of kids, probably like 200 kids. And then these random agents hand selected specific kids that they liked or, you know, showed some charisma. And then once about 40 kids were selected, we were told to take off our shoes and that we were each going into a room to show the producer, who is Dan Schneider, the tapes to see who he would want on his show. And of course, you know, we were always like, oh, what do you want us to do? What would you like us to be doing once we're in the room? And my agent told me, you just got to take off your shoes. Just run around in front of the camera, you know, talk about how much you love being barefoot. And then she goes on to say at the time she was too young, she didn't really think about this, but her mum was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. I mean, if that is true, fucking, like, gross. So gross. Just wrong. So wrong. Schneider, again, in the New York Times article, said that he never acted inappropriately with people who he worked with. I couldn't and I wouldn't have the long-term friendships and continued loyalty from so many reputable people if I'd mistreated my actors of any age, especially minors. Well, if you're fucking offering $300,000 for people to shut up, that statement is void void and if they're minors when you're offering them that money as well it's like they don't really have the life experience to know that three hundred thousand dollars to buy your silence isn't really enough when like you're probably gonna have to go to therapy for the rest of your life because of the way that set maybe was absolutely and what you thought was normal behavior as a child also just really also a buzzy thing for him to say well, why would I have all of these reputable people that are backing me up? Like, where are they then, Dal? Like, yeah. where is Miranda Cosgrove saying that you were the best producer and never did anything wrong? Like, maybe she has. And that's such a rehearsed, like, media-trained line yeah. as well. It does not feel authentic in any way, shape, or form. But, yeah, good of the New York Times. So basically everything we've said here today, mm. they have tried to ask him about. Yeah. Obviously, we can't claim any of this as fact because it hasn't been proven, but the New York Times, I think, did a good job at I think they definitely did a really good job at pressing with kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt and including some sources of people kind of supporting him. Um, I just think that a lot of the media, besides this New York Times article, it would just be like, he's a creep. Like, he's a creep. Um, What like a pedophile sort of like people would just be throwing these words around right and it's like obviously this is an emotional subject matter and that 
is sometimes our first kind of way to talk about these people. But I was thinking like, it's so unhelpful to just write him off as a creep because it shows like that people don't want to talk about this huge systemic problem in Hollywood as like, why do people like that get in these positions of power? Like how are all of these people in Hollywood, I mean, not all of these people, but a lot of these kind of big top men in Hollywood having all of these like weird sexual issues like oh. where does it come from yeah the, like I always think why can you just not resist your urge yeah like why was most you know during the height of the Me Too movement why was basically every headline that was about these huge producers that had reigned supreme for so long mm-hmm. like they had some sort of sexual thing yeah allegation yeah yeah and it's like by writing people off as creeps that just totally shifts the blame away from the industry it's just like oh well that person's just a rogue person he was born like that there's something fucking wrong and it's like that's not actually how psychology really works usually Mm. um it stops people from looking into the industry and being like okay what are these environments that these people are growing up in? Why is it seen as okay to behave like this when, like, we're having these stories come out again and again and again? It's not a one-off creep issue. Yeah. Like, yeah, these guys, they are creeps, but how did they become creeps? Yeah. Like, and how are they let in these positions of power again and again? Because I feel like back then it may have been just, like, based on, you know, everything was based on talent and merit, mm-hmm. and now it's like, no, we background check you because yes. back then it would have been like, wow, Rogue talent, like yeah. blah blah blah. Also, like diamond in the rough. Sort yeah, of thing. it's sort of a hard one because I like they would have wanted to report like the way we're wanting to report on it, but defamation and things not being, you know, like you can't just go around saying things no. that haven't been proven. So they would have been like, well, we need to warn the industry, we need to warn the people, but then we can't like what's the most we can say yeah but then um yeah absolutely i mean that's why the me too movement was so fucking important because it like meant that we did start digging into why why every why like lots it's why like what are we valuing like parents of these kids like i mean jeanette mccurdy's example of her mother if you do read the book is quite intense. Oh, but, yeah. you know, you do hear these stories again as well. It's like these parents not really giving a fuck as to how their kids are treated as long as they're making the money, money, getting the spotlight, getting the mm-hmm. fame. And it's like, what are we valuing as a society that this is just something we put up with Yeah, so people can be successful? Mm-hmm. And it's just been going on for so long. That, I know. Yeah. I am optimistic that a lot of the things – that are in the media now with things mm-hmm. that happened before. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it doesn't still happen, but I am optimistic that there's better processes. Yeah. And now that this has all come out. And now that like, media is starting to hold people accountable and being like, actually, yeah. this is not all good and we can't continue this way. Yeah. Because, like, fucking, as much as we get on the podcast every week and say, well, and the media didn't do this and the media did, didn't do this. They did report, like, they did break this entire movement and mm-hmm. story. So I'm like, hopefully. Yeah, we're starting to get the ball rolling. So that's your download on Dan Schneider. Damn. It will be interesting to see if more kind of accusations and allegations come out mm. against him or against other huge, big honchos yeah. in the industry. Give us a round table. Give us a round table Please. of people speaking about this. Live. 
Aside from the now, rest of... Now that our childhoods have been destroyed. Yeah. Now that, <laughs> love, now that our childhoods have been destroyed, um, what's on your radar from here on? <laughs> no more Nickelodeon. Yeah, God, no. This is actually not Nickelodeon vibes at all. I really want to watch the movie Control, which is about the main guy from Joy Division. I think it's oh. a bit depressing and sad, but I just, I love um, music-based movies. Yeah. You know, um, so that's what's on my radar, Cool Control. Nice. Hopefully we'll get around to watching it this week. Lucy, what's on your radar? Um, on my radar is a show called The Rehearsal by Nathan Fielder. Ooh. Now, love, did you ever watch Nathan For You? It's like no. Nathan Fielder is just like this fucking crack up, awkward, like comedy guy, like Sasha Baron Cohen vibes, but not right. extreme. Like we'll just yeah. go into stores and do the most. Oh like, my god! Time. No, yes. I did. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Our flatmate showed it to yeah. us. Yes, Nathan yes, yes. Few. Um, so, oh my god, this the strangest sense of humor, yeah. but really funny. Like, the best. Like he seems like the cutest guy. I've been reading lots of like articles about him. He's got a new show called The Rehearsal, which apparently slays the boots in the house down. A little bit of chicken shop date vibes in that kind of awkward humor yeah. where you're putting people in really weird positions and they don't know how to act. Yeah, and they end up. This is where Sasha Baron Cohen vibes comes into it. They mm. end up saying things that they usually would not say on yes. camera or do on camera just because he's so blatant. He's so awkward. Almost so like cute. a psychological experiment yeah. to see, like, how do people react when they're put in these really yeah. com- uncomfortable social situations. Which I think is what the rehearsal is about. It's about, like, having to go into um, a situation, but you've rehearsed exactly how you're going to say it, and then you like, I don't know, maybe go into it. I haven't watched it, so I will let y'all know. Oh, but please do. As always, first thing you should do if you like this episode, or if you like me and Liv, or if you want to help us on our journey to be more wholesome, um, you should become a Cisco supporter, annual or monthly. Then you get access to the Culture Vulture newsletter, which lands every weekend, every Saturday in your inbox, written by Liv. It slays. Everyone loves it that reads it, so oh, you should rushing. Second thing you should do, share this episode with your friends. If any of you watch Nickelodeon as a kid and you had these clings or these vibes that you're feeling, maybe, you know, send in this episode. Go and read the book. Go and read Jeanette McCurdy's new book. I don't know, and then tune in tune in next week. Yeah, definitely tune in next week. Tune in when we talk about child stars, mm. kind of deep dive maybe a little bit more into what happened to Jeanette McCurdy and her relationship with her mother and all of that really interesting, kind of disturbing stuff. But And also tune in to hear about how our Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, uh, most importantly, those um, the D&D. And on that, thank you to our Dungeon Master slash producer, T.I. Have Butler and Liv. Thank you. Thank you, Lucy. Ciao. Lucy, bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.